0: We go to Him today. How I many could say, Lord, take my hands, take my voice, take all that I am. Lord, I just want to give myself to you. And mine, I want to be yours. I want to be, I want to be your son, your daughter. I want to be accounted one of yours. Father, we're your children today. How wonderful it is that we can gather in your name. For you said. Where we gather in your name, there I will be in the midst. And we thank you for that great promise today of your presence. We're just asking, Lord, that you'll speak to hearts. and You'll reveal yourself to us in a wonderful way. You'll just come, Lord, on the scene for your children. You'll dissolve every doubt and answer every question. Even cause us, Lord, if necessary, to leave our notes to be able to just go into an area that would touch a life. Lord, lead us by your Spirit. Lord, take this voice today. We lift it up to you. We ask that you would anoint it, Lord, that it would speak the oracles of God. And I ask, Lord, you'll bless the ears of the hearer, for blessed are those that can hear in this hour. Oh, God, for righteous men, great men down to the ages were not able to see what we see but we have seen them you have blessed us Lord we are in your presence today expecting your blessings there are those that need saving I, I pray God you'll save them there are those that need healing and I pray Lord that there be a healing touch for them maybe it's in their mind or their body their spirit realm. Lord wherever that it is I pray you'll touch them today May that you touch their lives and they realize I'm changed in your presence. Lord, Ever need supply of your people, we give this service to you and ask for your blessings upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and we're thankful for his grace to us and his love and mercy. Amen. Thankful to see each one that has gathered with us today and all the different family members of Brother Teddy, Sister Amanda. We see, here we're just happy to have you. I see my sister-in-law back there, Sister Elizabeth Pruitt. God bless you. Amen. Good to have you in the service today. Every other person that is here, well, we're just happy that you're here. Amen. Amen. The scripture said, or the song said, we come from the east and the west. We come from lands of far. And certainly today as I look over, the congregation and just see the different ones that have come from different areas um, to be in this service today. Well, it's such a it's such a blessing to gather together. Amen. 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 Love that today, brother Gary, with your little exhortation and uh, words today. We're happy to have y'all back home, and well, you, you need to come home because I'm leaving. <laughs> so uh, God willing, uh, brother Timothy and our families. And then, of course, I will will be uh, leaving today, going to um, uh, Dallas and flying out from there to Washington State, Seattle. Be up in that area for about 10 days. So you uh, be in prayer for us. We'll take your greetings to the church there at Cloverdale. And um, so we pray that God will just move in a mighty way in those meetings there. Amen. We're not going uh, for just a vacation. We're going there for a to try to, to deal with the hearts of God's children. Amen. There's many needs, many sheep, have I, Jesus said, that are not of this fold. And so even we can say the same. Amen. But anyway, while we're here today, let's put everything we got into this service. Amen. How many is ready to do that? Amen. You're just going to give your all, your everything. You're going to just, you know, lock in to the Word of God. Let Him change your life. Amen? Let the Word change you. As we, This is the Scripture. Actually, Paul taught it that way. He said, we look into the Word of God as if it were a mirror, and we are changed from glory unto glory, and that's what we want to do today is just go up another glory with God, and I believe he'll do that. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 is where we will read today. And we'll look into the promises of the scripture. Um, we will read from verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve today. We're going to be speaking today on the blessed hope of his glorious appearing. And we certainly hold that hope real deep within our hearts today as we look around and see the world that is falling apart. And um, we see sin on every hand, yet at the same time we can have our eye on the glorious hope of his glorious appearing, or his blessed hope of this glorious appearing. Now, um, I just um, was marveled as Brother Branham would talk about the great appearing of the Lord and the coming of Jesus. And he referred to an article that he had read. And and this article, according to an estimation, showed that 99% of Protestant preachers throughout the nation don't believe in the literal second coming of Christ. And then he went on to say 87% did not believe or denied the virgin birth. And he said, think of that, what are our children going to face out yonder? And then he made this remark, God, get us back to the faith again that was once delivered to the saints. Now, even today, there are many, and, and watch my opening comments because we just lay in the background for some things we're going into very, very, um, that are very great depths in the Word, and, uh, but yet there'll be something, I believe, for every person that is here, no matter where you are spiritually, I believe that God will use a portion of it to speak to some will go Some of it will go over your head. And some of it will um, be something that you can receive, but you're everyone going to get something out of this service today. So just be waiting for your portion. But too many of marginalized and trivialized and so treat the actual physical return of Jesus as something that is just insignificant or maybe unimportant until we even got message people who don't believe in the literal coming of Jesus Christ. And again, I echo these words, God, get us back to the faith again that was once delivered to the saints. Bring us back to that glorious hope of his appearing. I even was, I heard one preacher who, who claims to follow the message, actually spoke blasphemous of his coming by saying, waiting to meet the Lord in the air is a Pentecostal pack of lies. What an awful thing for a gospel minister to say. I just want to say again, it's not a pack of lies. It is the hope and the expectation of every true believer. And these are only scoffers who are part of the coming because they have to be here. As the Bible said, there will be scoffers in the last days. And they will marginalize and make trivial the rapture and so treat the actual physical return of Jesus it's something that's really not important or insignificant, and I just don't think we can preach on it too much. I think one time even Brother Brandon was told, he said, you scare the people talking about the Lord and his soon return, and he said, "Why? Well, that ought to be the most glorious thing we can talk about Amen. is the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I've shared this quote in the last three services because it has just so stood out to me, and I want to bring it out again today. And it's something that Brother Branham said in the sixth seal, and this is in reference to the bride's going away, and he said, we realize we have just a short time, and the church might go at any time. And I say, how much nearer is it now? The lamb might at any time leave the sanctuary up there or the throne of sacrifice and come forth from the throne of God where the sacrifice laid, and then it's over. There's no more hopes for the world. She's finished. She goes into frustrations and great spasms of earthquakes and great shakings like it was at the resurrection. And as Christ rose from the grave, when the saints rise, the same thing will take place. Lord, it could be any minute. I, how many feels that way? I'll tell you, that, that's where it ought to be is that, you know, we have a constant expectation for the coming of the Lord. Now, there are a number of things that happens in this end time process. One thing that we're looking for next is the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And they will appear to us, as even spoke of in Matthew, where that many of the saints arose and appeared to many in that resurrection. We're expecting the same thing to happen in this resurrection. And so, when the resurrection of the saints take place, there are many things that will happen Number one, the, the living will be changed. Those of us that, as the Bible said, are alive and remain, when we see our loved ones, in just a moment or two, we'll be changed to be like them. And then two, we will find that Christ will leave the sanctuary throne where he has reigned as mediator and intercessor for the seven church ages. And as he rises from the throne, he will take his redeemed and he will meet them in the air. Now, this, this of course, will change him from his role of kinsman redeemer to kinsman avenger. And his wrath then will be unleashed upon Satan's kingdom. And at the same time of Jesus' physical descending, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is cast out of heaven, according to Revelation 12. And as he falls The bride of Christ from all the seven ages of sins. And when when that happens, there's no more need for an intercessor. His only claim um, that he has, that Satan has on us right now is our body. And once our body is changed, Satan will now have no more right to our body anymore. Right now, he has a right to your mind. He can put thoughts and evil thoughts and everything into your mind. Right now, he has a right to your body. He can bring sickness and even death upon it. But the moment we're changed, there will not be another evil thought. Amen. There will not be another sickness in our bodies. The moment we're changed, our bodies will be glorified, and it will be a total different state than what you're in this morning. Amen. Now... You see, he will have no longer than a claim to our body. We will no longer be tempted. We'll no longer be tried. We won't be accused or tormented. It will be his time to be tormented. And the Lamb, the Bible teaches us, will torment his kingdom. And so, again, you know, we're, we're living in a wonderful time. We're right here upon the edge of this where that is about to change. The accuser of our brethren will be cast down as the bride ascends. And so everything will be finished for the Gentile church when the bride is taken from the earth. And that's when the church ages will cease. That's when the light of the the seven uh, golden candlesticks will cease to shine, as spoke of in Revelation 1, 2, and 3. And... And so, as um, Brother Branham kind of summarizes it in question answer 64, he says, the spirit leaves the earth. He that's filthy is filthy still. He that's righteous is righteous still. He that is holy, holy still. Of course, he's quoting the scripture in Revelation. In other words, the sanctuary becomes smoky where the attorney stands to plead the case. And Christ leaves the sanctuary, and his mediatorial days is over with. And when this happens, this happens, the wrath of the Lamb begins with the sixth seal being open. And, And it opens with an earthquake and many awful things that are happening upon the earth. We'll read about it later in the sermon. But nevertheless, the sixth seal of judgment is opened upon the earth. The moment after the bride leaves. For as the bride is resurrection and we are changed, the Bible said there will be a greater earthquake. So what an hour that we are looking for. I mean, it's a great moment of expectation. And the sixth seal, as I quoted to you, the lamb might at any time come from the sanctuary up there or the throne of sacrifice Come from the throne of God where the sacrifice is laid and then it's over. There's no more hopes for the world, it's finished. Then she goes into frustrations, great spasms of earthquakes, great shaking like it was at the resurrection. I'd like us to look into 2 Thessalonians 1 and 4 because we're going to learn a little bit about the wrath of the Lamb because as the bride goes up, he changes in his role from kinsman redeemer for the Gentiles to kinsman avenger. And as a kinsman in the Bible, in the, under the Old Testament law, that when, when you did something to a person's kinfolk, there was a near kinsman who, who had, he, he must by buy honor... By honor, he must go and avenge the wrong that was done to his kinfolks. Are you with me? Now, this is very important to understand because, you see, this is Jesus. He he was showing it in the Old Testament law that he's not only our kinsman redeemer to pay sin's debt that we could not pay, because that's what a kinsman redeemer would do. If a man fell into debt into hard times, his nearest kinsman would buy him out of his debt. And the same thing would happen if, if he was injured or harmed or hurt. It would be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If, if he was killed, the nearest of kin it was his honor. It was, it, it was an honorable thing for him. It was it, to, to not do so would be a dishonor. He must chase down the one that harmed his kin- kindred and, and pay back to them the wrong that had been done to his kinfolk. Right. Now, I want you to understand, this is all portraying what Jesus is going to do yeah. because the world is about to see him change from the great Savior to the great avenger. Right. <laughs> Amen. Now, I'd like you to look in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 4 with me, and we're going to show you this in the Scripture. And I'm going to try to preach these things today, but it could be a real Bible lesson and a Bible Bible teaching. But in uh, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 4, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. So he said, the, the things they're doing to you is a manifest token or a sign, they're going to get it. Right. Now, I, I'm just going to say something to you. You've got an enemy, yes, right. yes. and it's the devil. Right. And he ain't going to get by with nothing. Right. Nothing he's ever done to you. Oh, Amen. Right. Hey, God remembers. That's right. God doesn't forget. God will forget your sins. He'll remove him as far as the east from the west, but God will not forget one thing the devil ever did to you. I want you to understand, he said this is a manifest sign, an evident sign of the righteous judgment of God that you may be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Amen. This is why he said, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. Amen. Amen. Because I'm the kinsman avenger. Don't you do it. I'll do it. Don't take my place. Just leave that alone. Put it in my hands. I'll take care of it. I'm going to avenge you of every wrong ever done to you. Nobody's getting by with anything. God won't forget. Amen. So he says, and you are... Um, And you who are troubled, those of you that are going through persecution, trials, all these hardships and problems that you're going through, rest with us, rest assured that when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, which is the coming at the end of the tribulation, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of, Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So notice what he said. He's going to come in flaming fire taking vengeance. Our God is a God of vengeance. Amen. He's not only a loving Savior, but he's also a God that's going to defend you and pay back everything back to the enemy that done this to you. I want you to know, this is why Brother Branham would say when Satan gets after one of God's little ones, he's got Jesus Christ on his hands. Amen. Now, as you know, the sixth seal of judgment, it opens with the earthquake, and the tribulation will begin at the resurrection of the New Testament saints. This will finish the Gentile dispensation, and then God will pour out his wrath upon a sinful world, and as I said, this is all a part of his kinsman work. It's actually all a part of his work as a lamb. The lamb would symbolize his kinsmanship, that where God became kin to you and became your sacrifice. And so this is a part of his kinsman work as he takes vengeance upon the world. Now, the throne of God is spoken as the Father's throne, and it was ruled by the eternal spirit uh, himself. And when man sinned, Man needed an advocate. And so God became kinfolk to man. Now, notice in order to be our redeemer, he would have to become kinfolk. He would have to become kin to you. And the only way that he can become kin is become a man. So he could not relate to us as Almighty God. But, oh, God laid aside his robes of deity and came down as a man. God came to dwell among us. Hallelujah. Isaiah 59, 16, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no that Therefore, his arm brought salvation to him. I want you to notice there was something came from him that reached out for salvation. Amen. God would reach out for salvation. He so wondered that there was no intercessor, no go between, nobody to plead your cause, no one to stand on the behalf of the sinner, and he saw that there was no intercessor. One man couldn't intercede for another because everyone was guilty. Every other man was in the same debt the other man was, and we were all in sin's debt, and so we couldn't pay one another's debt. But here comes a kinsman, redeemer, to pay the debt in full. I'm glad for that kind of redeemer. Now, for he, so he said, therefore his arm brought salvation to him. His righteousness has sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. Look, he dressed now for war because now he's going after your accuser. Amen. And was clad with zeal as a cloak. Oh, brother, he's zealous about this. This is his righteousness going forth. It's his honor. This is my brother. This is my child. This is my son. This is my daughter. And they done it to my daughter, my son. And they're not getting by with it. Amen. The enemy has done this, throwed him into debt, throw him into sin, throw him into horrible things, made him do every kind of thing in the world. Are you with me? Amen. But they're not getting by with anything. Satan nor all his demons will not get by with one thing. He will pay recompense. Amen. And according to their deeds, according, he will repay for fury to his adversary, recompense to his enemies, to the islands, he will pay recompense. So God gets very personal here. He said, I looked and I saw man didn't have an intercessor, so I became his intercessor. And in order to become an intercessor, my arm would reach down to earth. There I would come as a man in power. In deity, yet as a man for the purpose of redemption. Now, for his arm to bring salvation and him to become intercessor, he would have to take on flesh. As intercessor, he would take on human battles and fight for mankind and would put on the garments of vengeance. I want you to realize in the scripture. When he says unto us a son was, is born, unto us a child is, will be given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. That word Mighty God means a mighty warrior, that God would become as a warrior to take on human battles, to fight your battles on your behalf, to overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave, and to bring you back Into eternal life again, where man fell from at the beginning. I say, what a great plan God has in store. Amen. Now, Jesus would become God's mercy to fallen man. He would provide a covering for our sins. But there was a time, or there's coming a time, that he will no longer intercede on the behalf of the sins of man. His work of intercessory will be over, and the sanctuary where he dwells will be filled with smoke, and no man can approach there then or enter. We're going to read about this in the Scripture here in a moment. Now, because you may wonder, where is this in the Bible, that the sanctuary becomes smoky and becomes a judgment seat instead of a mercy seat? Because we have already seen it in the scripture, Thessalonians said it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation. And let me tell you, tribulation is coming upon this earth. And you and I have got to get ready to escape the things that are coming on the earth. Amen. We got to be prepared for his coming. Now, So as an intercessor, he puts on his garments of vengeance for clothing, clad with zeal as a cloak, and according their deeds, according um, to, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. As intercessors, he will also do this in Isaiah 61 and 2 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and that's what Jesus came to do. And ever since he came, it has been the acceptable year of the Lord. Today, right now, we are in the acceptable year of the Lord. It is still while the Lord is accepting, forgiving, interceding, pleading on our behalf. Amen? But I want you to notice he's not only going to proclaim that, but he's also going to proclaim a day of vengeance. So the same one that proclaimed mercy is the same one that's going to bring an end to mercy. And when he does, he's going to bring vengeance. Amen. Amen. Now, he will leave the sanctuary, which is now, and, and what is now a mercy seat, and that is because of his sacrifice. And then when he leaves it, it will become a judgment seat. Now, I'd like you to see here in Revelation chapter 15 and verse 5, and we're going to see this as John saw it. And he said, After this I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open." Now, that's a little hard for us to fully comprehend everything that's being said there, but let me just read you another translation. After this I looked, and behold, the inner sanctuary of the heavenly tabernacle of testimony. Testimony, the holies of holies was opened before my eyes. So there is a realm where God dwells. It's the highest realm of heaven. Remember, everything's beneath Him, not above Him. He is above all else. So He reigns in the heavens, in the holiest of holies. And the holiest of holies in the Old Testament was the third realm of the, the tent of meeting. And it would be the place where there, as you know, the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy. And, the, and so this, he looks and he sees, he sees the holiest of holies, which is the inner sanctuary of, of, the, of the heavenly tabernacle of testimony. Now, verse 6 and seven angels came out of the temple having seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. In other words, there was a, 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 a sash, a golden sash around their chest. And verse 7 says, And one of the four beasts, Now, these are one of the four living creatures, the lion, the ox, the man, and the eagle. One of them gave each of the seven angels a golden bowl full of the wrath, or golden vial, that's a bowl full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So, I want you just to see this. Here is stored up judgments, bowls of judgments waiting To be poured out. Now, you see, they 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 had to be there because God don't forget. Amen. Amen. Come on now, and He's going to repay. We've been through the scriptures on that. God's going to pay back, give recompense to those that troubled you. Somebody help me preach. Amen. So now again, these seven vials or seven bowls, seven vessels that are full of the wrath of God, one forever church age. God has been storing them up. God remembers. He doesn't forget what the beast has done, the false prophet has done. He hadn't forgotten the deception. He hadn't forgot the persecution. He hasn't forgot the 68 million that were slaughtered down through the dark ages for his name. He hasn't forgot a one, and he hasn't forgot you. And he stored up judgments only waiting for you to leave from here for him to pour it out. He's not going to pour out judgment as long as you're here. But once he takes his bride home and gets her safely out of the way, he's gonna pour it out. So he stored it up. Now, as we look in this, we were going to see the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, notice this. As we look at this, no man could approach the holiest of holies until the seven plagues of the seven angels are fulfilled. You know why? It's because the kinsman has, the sacrifice has left the altar. And there's no atonement. Now, right now, you and I have access to the throne of grace. Amen. Your prayer. Amen. Can take you right into God's presence. You can go past angels, past saints, past angels, and go into the very presence of God and get your need heard. Because you've got an advocate there. You've got somebody there that will hear what you say. And he understands you as a man understands you, not as some distant God or some spirit that never knew what it was to be a man. This is why he sits there as a man. And he wants you to see and picture him as you're coming to a man, Christ Jesus, somebody who understands you. Aren't you glad to know God who understands? This God wants you to know he understands what you're going through. That you can come to Him in your time of need and He feels for you. He hurts with you. Amen. He understands what a human goes through. He remembers your humanity. He knows how you're tempted. He knows about your trial. He knows how you've been persecuted or or what the devil has done to you or all the horrible things that He's come against. Jesus knows and He understands. Amen. Now, but when this happens, and this scene right here, if you get that scripture back up, when this happens, there is no more mercy. He's going to pour out his vengeance. And there will be no one able to approach because it's no longer a throne of grace, but it's now a throne of judgment. These plagues are poured out in the great tribulation ahead. This will begin to happen as soon as the bride goes up, as soon as she's raptured, as soon as she leaves them here. There's going to be every kind of horrible thing hit this world. That's why we want to get ready to leave here. We don't want to be left behind. Now, these are judgments that are reserved for the tribulation as you... Notice verse 7 said that they were full of the wrath of God. Stood up wrath, poured out in the day of vengeance. You see, there comes a time for the Gentiles where there will be no mercy. The last one will come in, and then God will no longer strive and plead with the Gentiles for salvation. Brother Branham heard Brother Neville on the broadcast say there's going to come a time where the preachers will go right on preaching. People will go right on praying. They're trying to get souls saved. It's all finished, and, and, and uh, there won't be any more saved. It'll be all over. And Brother Branham then would take that and use that time after time after time after time as an illustration. There's going to come this time. Amen. That God will take his bride home. And then the world will right, go right on preaching about him, talking about him, have services, everything. But there'll be no mercy, no forgiveness, no grace. Not another saint. Everybody's locked into the condition that they were the moment the rapture took place. Those that are holy are holy still. Those filthy, filthy still. Those righteous, righteous still. And they're trapped in that condition. No way out of it. Now, it happened this way for the Jews. Those of you that will be watching some of our podcasts that are in the, and um, future mission things that we do, that we release on f- Facebook and other media, you'll be seeing us talking about this in And some weeks to come as I felt led to bring this part out for for our listeners there. But for you this morning, we're just going to bring it here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 23, 23. Remember, God would work with the Jews, plead with the Jews. He would would choose Israel as a nation. He would send the prophets and scribes and all of these men. He would do it over and over and over again until the Bible said, There was no remedy. And the same thing is going to happen with the Gentiles. There's going to be the the last time a real gospel preacher will preach a sermon. There'll be the last invitation given. There'll be the last opportunity. Now, he would begin this thing with woe. And over and over, whoa, 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 whoa. As he would talk to the religious world of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the men, the righteous men, the, 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 the denominational world. And he would say, whoa, woe unto his scribes and he Pharisees. And he'd call them hypocrites. Now, hypocrites didn't mean what a hypocrite meant to us today. In that day, a hypocrite was a name for an actor. All actors were hypocrites. That was the Greek name for being an actor. They were just, you know, they, they wasn't real. They were just putting on a play. Today we use the word hypocrite to represent every, every person who isn't living right and claiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are actors, pretenders. We don't want to be a pretender. We want to be real. Amen. How many to say today, God, make me real? That ought to be our prayer. He would go down to and, and say in verse 24, You blind guides would strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. In other words, you'll strain out a gnat and at the same time swallow something great big down. I mean, you know, you know they, they, were, they were not rightly dividing the word of truth. Right. Verse 25, he would say that you may clean the outside of the cup and the, the platter, but within. You know, you, on the outside you look good. You know, you got beautiful buildings and great structures and, and everything else. But inside, inside you are, you are full of extortion and excess. Now, these are the words of Jesus as he brought an indictment against the religious. These were not, these were not bad people. These were what we call religious people. These were upstanding citizens of their day, but he's bringing an indictment against them because they don't recognize their day and hour in their visitation. Now then, as we look at verse 27, he likens them to white sepulchers. In other words, they're like graves. They're polished on the outside, these big tombs, polished on the outside, and on the outside, you know, appear beautiful outward, but are full of dead men's bones and uncleanliness. Look at him as he indicts them, and he he brings them down to verse 30 and says, in verse 30 they said, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we've not been partakers of them in the blood of the prophets, wherefore you're witnesses unto yourself, you're children of them that killed the prophets. And he said, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents. Well, do you really want Jesus for a pastor? (laughs) Huh? You really want Jesus for a pastor? I mean, this this is not politically correct at all. Amen. Amen. He's coming right out and he says, You serpents, you offspring or generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Then he says, I'm going to send you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you'll kill and crucify, and some of them you'll scourge in your synagogues. You'll persecute them from city to city that that upon you... Upon this generation may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Zacharias, uh, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Remember, it is a righteous thing for God to recompense tribulation. Amen. Amen. It's an honor thing. And he said, I, this, I'm going to send these. You're going to reject them. You're going to turn down the gospel. And because of this, I'm going to, uh, it's all the blood of the righteous blood upon shed upon the earth. In other words, it's all heaped up, it's all been stored up. Now, Revelation shows us the seven vessels of stored up wrath. But Jesus said, There's been some things waiting for this generation. It's the generation of my coming, it's the generation of my appearing. It's a generation of of the Word becoming flesh and and revealed. And it's that generation that's going to, it's all going to heap up. Everything that happened from Abel all the way down to the last recorded martyr in the book of the, in the Old Testament, everything is going to be required of this generation. It's all going to be poured out upon this people. And so will it be in the tribulation ahead? God has heaped up judgments. Now verse 36, verily I say unto you all these things shall come upon this generation. So he said it's heaped up for this generation. I just want to say the generation that we're living in is heaped up for this generation. Amen. Amen. It's laid in store. It's in the Bible. It tells you seven vials, seven stored up judgments waiting there for the seven church ages to be over, over. but things that have been done to my people for seven ages is going to be paid back upon Satan's kingdom. Hallelujah. Yes, praise the Lord. I'm glad the devil ain't getting by with nothing. I'm glad to know that we got more than a big brother we got a great big God who became man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A man that has seen everything that has been done to us. Every trial we went through, every test, every broken home, every hurt little mama, every hurt little daddy, every hurt little child, every one of them I've seen it all and I'm not going to forget it. When Satan has his kingdom, look out, Satan. I'm going to pour out wrath, judgments upon your kingdom, upon the seed of the beast, and the false prophet. I'll pour it out. But he said, it's all on this generation, verse 37. Then he laments, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which for sin unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left desolate. Now remember, a house that is left desolate is a house under judgment. A church with a, that is left desolate that has no sacrifice, that has no intercessor. A people who has no intercessor is a people who is left desolate. They don't have anybody to care for them. Are you with me? Now, so he says, how often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered their chickens under her wings, but you would not behold your houses left desolate. So Luke tells us, about what would happen in that generation. And we're going to be turning there here in a moment so you can find Luke 21 and verse 20. But I want you to notice as as Luke tells of Jesus' words about the desolation of Jerusalem and that there will be a tribulation that will follow the Jewish people. And of the tribulation of those days and of that people, Jesus said it will never be repeated. Never again will a people go through 2,000 years of tribulation. You see, the tribulation ahead is only three and a half years. But the tribulation for the Jews has lasted 2,000 years. Right. They've been persecuted, scattered people. This is why we've been preaching on the people of the book, because they're returning to their land, and we're a people of the book returning to ours. So Luke tells us of the judgment that is going to come. Now, if judgment fell upon the Jews for the rejection of the Messiah, what will happen to the last age of Laodicea when, they, when their sins come up before God to answer for him being put on the outside of his own church? And he's there shown in Laodicea knocking at his own church trying to get in, rejected, unwanted. Now, this is the way that Israel did when he come to the Pharisees. The Bible said he came to his own, and his own received him not. And Laodicea shows him coming to his own, and his own received him not. So now, again, you see, they're going to have to answer to God for for having to be on the outside of his own church, knocking, and the door not open, and then that church age will become desolate, without a sacrifice, without an intercessor, with nobody to defend them. We read in the Bible of the abomination of desolation, and. We have several signs of it. Right now there's, a, there's several mosques of the Ishmaelite people that are um, actually have built there on, near the Temple Mount or on the Temple Mount. And there they are right now. And it's still a sign that Israel is still a people who have not come back to their God. Who are not, who are, have not been recognized by their God as a nation. Are you with me? Now, we, we all remember that when we, the, you know, hearing it over and over again. You remember, you, you, brother Gary, you can remember 1948 when Israel becomes a nation, and and oh, we excited our hearts because Israel is now recognized as a nation. And we and we we say to one another, "This generation will not pass away, and a generation is forty years, and this generation will not pass away." And it comes and it goes. And we wonder. But it's not when the world recognizes Israel. Neither is it when Trump puts an embassy there. But it's when God recognizes Israel, and He will recognize them by sending two prophets, Moses and Elijah. Amen. by the way, who bring down plagues out of heaven. And, and, and torment the world with their plagues. Are you with me? Because part of the tribulation is, Mo, is Moses and Elijah, two men anointed with the spirit of the law and the prophets, the law of Moses, the prophets Elijah, two men raised up anointed. And I, I just want to submit to you today, they're already here on the earth. I believe we're that close. Those two little boys have already been born. I believe, I don't know where they're at, and I don't know what their names are, but God knows them. And he predestinated them for this moment and this time. And I want you to know they're already here on the earth. All they're waiting for is the bride to leave so they can be anointed. And the same thing that happened to the prophet of God whether he met the angel of God and he told him about his mysterious birth and his misunderstood way will come to them and tell them of their birth and their mysterious ways. And will send them out as prophets, witnesses. But there'll not be another Gentile saved. 144 will be filled with the same baptism of the Holy Ghost you get. They will get it too. That's why it's important for us to, to lead from here. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. I, I know there's some say, oh, I, I think it'll be literally Moses and Elijah. And even Brother Branham indicated so. But when he was asked about it, he said, no, it'll be two men that are anointed by the spirit of Moses and Elijah. Because we don't believe in reincarnation do we and god would break every pattern of the scripture because he said even that they wouldn't believe if one raised from the dead so he's not going to raise a dead man and send him out he's going to raise up just like he's always done and send his anointing now so the the abomination that make a desolation though is not any of those mosques out there. Certainly, they are signs of her continued desolation. Happened 700 years after Jesus was there. But the, the abomination that made desolation was the rejection of that Messiah. And I want to say to you, the abomination that will make the church desolate is a rejection of her Messiah. Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, "These are Jesus' words, quoted by Luke, in Luke twenty-one twenty. And when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them that are in Judea flee to the mountain. Let them that are in the midst of it depart out. Let them, let not them that are in the countries enter thereunto, for these be the days of vengeance." That all things which are written may be fulfilled. This begins the days of vengeance. I'm going to destroy this city. Won't be one stone left upon another. They will be scattered out and dispersed. Why? Why? Because it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. (laughs) Now, verse 23, but woe to them that are with child. And to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land, and somebody help me say it, wrath upon this people. I'm going to pour out wrath. These are going to be a dispersed, despised people. I'm not going to have any pity on the young, the old, nobody. Nobody. Whether it be priest or whether it be a king or whatever else, no mercy. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trotted down of the Gentiles until, now wait a minute, it ain't forever because God, amen, promises a restoration Amen. Shall be trotted down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And we've come through seven ages. We're right here at the last one. In fact, the matter is, the messenger's already come and gone. And we're on borrowed time. Brother, when they heard those words and said, When you see her compassed with. When you see a compass with armies, I want you to flee. You know, don't go up back in the house, housetop and get anything. There ain't nothing you got's worth worth losing your life over. Amen. Well, you know, if you're there, if you're out there, don't come back in here. You see, all of them, according to Josephus, did exactly opposite. They were having Passover during that time when Titus surrounded them, and Titus just let them all in. And, and, and even more, it was like three million or, or millions more that come into the city during that time. And he wouldn't let them out. And every person that tried to get out, he crucified. Until finally he breaks down the walls and he destroys men, women, children, hauls them all away as slaves Sends them out and disperses them all all over the known world of that day. Because why? They didn't recognize their day of visitation. Right. This is why it's so important to recognize your day in its hour. Right. But now I want to say that's history for the Gentiles or the Jews, but now it's the Gentiles time. You know, if Jesus is seen in Laodicea on the outside with the Messiah Christ, the word rejected, then let me just tell you, it's the abomination that makes desolation. (laughs) Somebody hear me? The rejection of the Messiah today is the sin that will cause the church to be left in her sins. Now, so what does that mean when we see her compassed about? When we see denominations compassed about with the hordes and the armies of hell and sin. When you see that appearing, flee. Get out of those walls. Get out of those denominations. Get out of those dead churches. Get somewhere there's life. Amen. There's no safety left. There's no mercy left. There's no advocate there. There's no grace left. Right. Their house is left desolate. It's empty. And when the great, the great thing happens at the cross and opens up the veil to the holies of holies, it shows there's no God there. Right. Right. It's empty. It's hollow. This is what happens to hollow religion, hollow experiences, hollow Christians. Jesus calls them hypocrites and actors. I say again, we want to be real. It's time to flee. Now let me just show you over here in Revelation 18.1. And after this, I saw another mighty, another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Here is a, an anointing coming down. The Bible said he makes his angels spirits. Here he is, the spirit of the Lord coming down in a prophetic anointing and bringing a message. And he cries or shouts with a loud voice or strong voice saying, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of the devils and of, of the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And this is the announcement God makes of the religious system in the last day. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath, of her fornication. And kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. And I heard another voice from heaven. Here, heaven echoes. And when it says, it says, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached into heaven. And God remembered her iniquities. And brother, I want you to know, I, for one, have responded to that call. I heard it say, come out of her my people. And I ran for my life. And ain't nothing I left behind worth going to get. And I just want to say, ain't nothing of the world is worth going to get. Don't go back. To get nothing, flee. Get out of there. Get as far away as you can get from it because I'm going to pour out judgment upon it. As soon as I take my bride out of here, I'm going to pour out seven vials of judgment, seven ages worth of vengeance. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God. Is something of his honor to recompense tribulation to them that troubled you. Verse 6, reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works, that the cup which she has filled, fill to her, a double. Then he comes on down in verse 8, there shall be plagues coming one day, death and mourning and famine. She be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judges. Verse twenty: Rejoice over her, thy heavens, and ye holy apostles and prophets, because for God hath avenged you on her. So I want you to notice God remembers. As we look down again, um, you know, verse twenty-four, the Bible says, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and all that were slain upon the earth. In other words, God didn't forget. When the great Roman church would take and put those dear saints at the chopping block, like Apostle Paul, God didn't forget. He just chalked up a memory of judgment. Amen. When, when, when things happened and Irenaeus was burned with fire. Amen. Do you remember that? And he said, you know, they, they took him, an 85 year old man, and, and tied him. It was going to tie him to a stake. He said, Don't tie me. I'm willing to stand here for my Lord. And they set fire around him, and the fire burned away from him and wouldn't touch the, that dear old saint. So then they run up with a spear. And threw it and and speared him there and in his side in his stomach there and he and, and put out the fire and they said they saw a dove come out of him as he said I commend to thee Lord Jesus my spirit and that was polycarp but God hasn't forgotten He's a God that'll forget your sins and say, I can't remember it. But he's a God who remembers what's been done to you and he won't forget. It's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation. All these things happen in the tribulation. The tribulation will end like this. In fact, these are parts of the tribulation. Luke 21, verse 25. These are all part of the great tribulation. And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon, the stars, and upon the earth, distress the stress of nation with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing for fear, looking for after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Oh, yeah, it shall be. Amen, because Satan, Lucifer, the Bible said, will be cast down, the accuser of our brethren who have stood there and accused us before God. He'll no longer be able to do so. And then, and then, when Satan is cast down, then they shall see the Son of Man coming down, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. This happens at the end of the tribulation. And Satan is cast down as the bride goes up before the tribulation begins. This is not the rapture, though. The scripture right here you're seeing is not the rapture. This is whenever I will see him, in Revelation 1:9, if you put that up, then you will also see that Revelation 19, um, sorry, 1 seven. Uh, that, that there that there he is He cometh with a cloud, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, that's the Jews, and all the kings of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. This is not the rapture of the church. The rapture is a secret going away. But this is when he comes back with his saints, and that's when he reveals himself to the Jews. Now, in Revelation six twelve. We're going to read now about the great sixth seal ahead. Now, I want you to understand, as we look in some of these seals, some of these things happen, there's actually spiritual applications in some ways. As judgment begins in the house of God, and when judgment begins in the house of God for rejecting the Messiah, then judgment becomes upon her, the judgment is the same judgment that came upon Basti. In the days of Esther, where that she is judged, removed as being the queen, and another is called to be the queen. Right. And in our day, you are blessed in that sense, because when God came to the church and invited her to the feast, as Ahasuerus the king did to Esther, or not Esther, but Vasti. But, um, And he invited her, and she was too busy with her own banquets and her own things and would not come. And he put her away. And so God put away the religious systems of this generation, and he sent out a search to find an Esther. Hallelujah. Amen. To find one who would be willing to come and invite the king to a banquet, who would fellowship with him. Are you with me? Amen. And this is what has happened. The same thing has happened. And, the, and judgment begins at the house of God. And in doing so, God calls out a bride, a people for his namesake. Now look here in Revelation six twelve, and we're going to see the physical application of the sixth seal. And when he opened open the sixth seal, oh, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as the sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of the heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll. Notice there's a, there's the, we, we read it a while ago the temple is open. There's something open there. You know, and, and every mountain and island were moved out of their ways. And, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, the rich men, and and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rock, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the, what? Lamb. Lamb. The meek, lowly Lamb comes back as a mighty warrior to throw down every kingdom, to pour out his wrath. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad, brother, when you get a good look at him, you don't see him in his wrath, but you see him in his mercy? Aren't you glad? It's like when Esther was in the Bible, well, every time when she went in before the king, he held out the scepter and said, come on in. Yeah. Amen. Hey, man. Anybody, anybody else, would, you know, it could have been judgment upon him, but Esther, every time she come in, it's mercy. Amen, every time you approach this throne of grace, it's mercy, it's love, it's a welcome. Come on in. What do you want? I'll give you everything, anything you desire, even half the kingdom. In other words, I'll share with you everything I got. You're my wife. You're my chosen. You're my love. For the great day of his wrath is come. You see, every time that Esther goes in before the king, the great lion becomes a gentle lamb. And every time you come before him, the great judge of the world becomes your mercy. For the great day of his wrath has come, who shall be able to stand? Now, something happens in the heavens that brings on the tribulation upon the Gentiles. It's because that Jesus leads the mercy seat. But let me assure you, he won't do that without rapturing his bride first. Amen. For she will escape the things that are coming upon the earth. Now, Jesus would place it in perspective order. He would say in, um, in, in Luke chapter 21, verse 29, he'd say, Behold the fig tree. And all the other trees. Now, here he's talking about the end time. And, and he said, now, but first, there's going to be a restoration. Right. And he says, behold, or look at the victory, and all the trees, when, you, when they now shoot forth, you see and know your own selves that summer is nigh at hand. So he said, you know harvest is coming. Right? Amen. So when we see the fig tree, which is Israel, put forth their butts, then we know the harvest is near. And the harvest is a gathering where he gathers his weed into his barn. Is somebody with me now? So again, he says, you know, when you see Israel become a nation and you see her gathered back there and she puts forth his shoot, but notice what he says, am All the other and all the trees. Look at verse 29 again. And all the trees. Not just the fig tree. Isn't it marvelous in the same time frame that Israel becomes a nation? That the angel of God comes to a prophet? Come on, somebody. Amen. And tells him, sends him forth with a message of restoration Showing signs of healing and deliverance, the son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Isn't it amazing the very moment they're becoming a nation, here's something happening in the spiritual realm with the spiritual Israel, the bride? Isn't it something that not only that, but in 1948 the World Council of Churches formed to gather all of them up together and bundle them in the spirit of ecumenism? Isn't it amazing that all of this comes together and we're seeing all the trees putting forth their branches, the fig tree specifically. Man, Israel specifically, but also the other trees. And I want you to know, God has not forgotten a bright tree. For he says, I will restore, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, amen, I'm going to bring it back to that original life again, to the original power. Yes. Yes. Amen. When they shoot forth, you know it's time to harvest a bride. It's time for the 144,000 to be called. It's time to, 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 to even gather the tares up in bundles. It's time for a harvest season. So likewise, when you see all these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh unto you. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. And we're living in that generation. Heaven and earth, put your faith here. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. He that believeth on me, he said, will never be ashamed. Hallelujah. Now, this compares, of course, to the last church age in verse 34 that's increased with goods and have need of nothing. You can see Laodicea written right all over these scriptures. The last age right over the scriptures. Notice now, fig tree is putting forth, bride trees being restored, the the tares are being bundled. All of these things are happening. Are you with me? Amen. But now watch Laodicea. He's showing you, he's showing you the sign that you're going to watch out for that is happening in this harvest season. And he says, take heed to yourself, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeit and drunkenness and cares of this life. In other words, of having too much. Yeah. Yeah. Is somebody with me? You say, Brother Tim, we'll just get rid of everything. Become paupers. You'll still be better off than most of the world. Somebody help me preach now. Yeah. Amen. Listen to me. This is it. He said, watch out. Watch out. It's going to be a time of Laodicea. Rich and increasing goods and have need of nothing and yet spiritually bereft. Don't you know you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? And you're seeking after gold, but buy me gold. Get true riches from me. You're seeking raiment. You know, we're not not at Walmart no more. We're at Amazon.com. How many of Melda's do we have from the Philippines that's got, you know, 10,000 pairs of shoes? One ain't enough. Two ain't enough. A dozen ain't enough. It's a world that we live in. Everybody wants, 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 wants. Laodicea. Focus on the wrong things. There's nothing, nothing wrong with having a nice car, nice home, but put your focus on the right things. Take heed to yourself, and watch out, listen anytime you become too busy, overcharged, after too many things, rather than true riches, and drunkenness. Now, that's just not natural drunkenness, but that's just where. You've got so much, you've drank so much of this world until you, you just are addled in your thinking and you aren't thinking right. And the drunkenness and the cares of this life so that that day come upon you unawares because he tells you why, because it's coming as a snare. In other words, the end time will be will close on you like a trap. Hey Amen, it'll come and, and, and you'll just be going ease and zying and just going along life's merry way, and, you know, marrying and giving in marriage and marriage and divorce and remarriage and this, this issue and that issue and on and on and the business of life and how we can make wealth and what we can do and all our might and we just get so overcharged with it. Until what's really important passes us by. That's why we keep preaching the token life is a hidden life with Christ. It's more than just getting the blood on the door. But it's also being behind the blood, eating the Passover, taking the lamb, getting it to the right temperature, the fire of God in your life, the the staff in your hand, the shoes on your feet, the preparations being made. Because he said, watch therefore and pray always, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come upon to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Pray always that you can escape. Pray always, Lord, let me go in that rapture. That's the escape. Don't let me, let me be left behind. Lord, I'm praying every day. I'm expecting you're coming. I'm living today as if you're coming this moment, and that's the way God wants you to live. That's the way He wants you in your marriage in your parenting,, in every aspect of your life, living like He's coming now. this moment. That's a real Christian life. Everything else is acting. Pretending. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that are coming to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You want another scripture for that? The Bible said in Thessalonians, we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. That word caught up means, it comes from the word harpazo in the Greek, which means snatched. Are seized. It's like an eagle catching his prey. Hey, Amen. Come on, church. Oh, Mama Eagle going to be coming looking for her little ones. And in a moment, he'll snatch her out of here. Hey, Amen. It'll be an hour when most think not, but there's going to be a people that love his appearing. Hallelujah, that knows he's appeared in my life and knows he's changed me and I know he's coming back for me and I'm getting ready to meet him. But something happens in the heavens. Something actually happens in the heavens. We're we're reading here in all of this as the seals open, the sixth seal open, and all this, there's there's things that are happening in the heavenly realms. It talks about the sun being darkened, the moon turned to blood. It talks about um, stars falling as untimely figs. It's talking about something is happening in the heavens. So now we've been talking about what's going to come on the earth. Let's turn our attention now to what's going to happen in the heavens because something must happen there in the heavens. Can I just kind of give you an overview of it first? First, he will leave the sanctuary and he will kick Satan out. So there's no more accusing. Amen. He won't have to intercede anymore. Because his, his days, his days of accusation is over with. Amen. And as he kicks him out, he comes down to the saints that are in the sixth dimension, in the lower parts of heaven that are waiting under the altar. And he appears to our loved ones there. Amen. And he brings them down to earth and we all get acquainted together here in a great grand reunion and then together we're caught up to meet him in the air. I want you to know, friends, heaven is about to move on your behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Heaven is moving! Oh, you ought to know that! from seven angels coming out of heaven down to this age to break open the seven seals. You ought to know heaven is moving itself and heaven is expanding itself for redemption purposes to come down to earth to bring to you the mystery of the end time. Something happens in heaven. I got a trip to Dallas this evening, but I won't hold you past two. Thank you. Amen. We're going to do our best to preach. Amen. Thank you, Brother James. Brother James made a vow to God when God saved him here in this church, filled him with the Holy Ghost. He had a personal encounter. He said, never again will just a church service be another church service. Amen. Brother, that's the way it ought to be with us having a new birth. Amen. Every time we come, it's not just going to be another church service. We're going to get in the spirit. We're going to see God move. We're going to see the power of God poured out. Hallelujah. Because we're not ever going to have just another time we attend church. We're going to see Jesus. How many are ready to see Jesus this morning? Amen. Glory to God. Let us see him in his glory. Let us see him as he moves toward the earth. Let us see him in his power. Yeah. Let us see him now, as he changes his role from lamb to lion, and he shows now his his duty as kinsman avenger. <coughs> my, my timer said I'm done. Hallelujah. Amen. Might as well get rid of the timer. (laughs) By now you figured out it means nothing. (laughs) Something happens in heaven. Now ever since his death at Calvary, where he paid sin's price, and then his ascension to heaven, Jesus has been on the mercy seat. And I just want to bring it out to you, not for ignorance alone, not just because the the full revelation hadn't come, because except for understanding the symbols and the the seals and the end time events, all revelations and mysteries was known to the first age, and they had the title deed and could have went into rapture. The book was open, the Apostle Paul. But now, as we're looking at this for a moment, it's not just for ignorance of the ages, but for all kinds of sins and unbelief. He has been on the mercy seat so that we can find favor, that we can find grace in our time of need. And I want you to understand, we need him there. As long as we're in this flesh, we need him there. That is, I want him to come. As long as my body ain't changed, I need him there as my intercessor. Now, so Brother Branham tells us in the fourth seal, he said Satan will um, incarnate himself because when the church goes up, Satan's cast out, it's done, and all his accusing is done. Look, as long as the intercessor's on the throne, Satan can stand there and accuse because he is the attorney on the other side. He is the opponent of Christ. So therefore, you know, Satan's coming up and accusing us. That's what the Bible calls him in Revelation 12, the accuser of the brethren. He comes and accuses. Now listen, I want to get something. He accuses you. He don't make up stuff. You got enough things right now to stand before a holy God. You could be wiped into oblivion. I mean, just because of the things that you do, you say, you think, you act, the things you have, and even in your spirit realm, your body, your flesh is not saved. And he's a holy God. He's a so holy that angels have to cover their face in his presence. And the only way that you can approach him there is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, there was no need for him to come and die at Calvary. But because of our sins, we needed an intercessor. We needed somebody, an advocate with God who says, I understand their humanity. Forgive them. They didn't mean to do that. Because none of us that are truly born again sin willfully. But we have to be like Brother Branham, who often prayed, "God, forgive me of my sins." Paul would say, "I have to kill the old man daily. I have to crucify that flesh, that flesh of mine anew." But as long as the intercessors on the throne, Satan can can stand there and accuse. So as long as he's there on the intercessor. Satan can accuse, but he says, he's standing there, the opponent is standing there saying, but wait, Adam fell, Adam done this, I conquered him, I got his wife to believe a lie, and you said he would be damned by it, I got it. So he goes back to the original sin to show everybody born of Adam is in this condition. But here's a mediator standing there, the kinsman redeemer standing there with the blood that can take the vilest sinner's heart and change it, a mediator on the throne. Yes, sir. This is more than just the ignorance of the ages. This is for sin. Right. For the vilest sinner that can come before him today and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. The fourth seal, he would talk about this Clorox that would, was invented to take away the stain, the bleach, the coloring right out of the ink, and turn it right back to its original or into some other form, however it's done. And then until it, it all blends there with the water, and you can't even see the color of the, of the, um, of the ink and the bleach, And he says that's what the blood of Jesus Christ does to a true child of God when he confesses that sin and he stands there justified. Mercy, goodness. It's even so great till God says, I can't even remember it anymore. He's absolutely my son. Hallelujah. Can you imagine him being able to do that? I can't even remember it no more. He's absolutely my son. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart but believe what you said, it shall come to pass you can have what you said. You are a redeemed son. Hallelujah. Amen. Satan has no claim on you. You speak and God backs it up. That's the power that he gives to the church through the blood of the intercessor. But without that blood, you have no power. And when Jesus ascended, he went into the third heavens. This is what Paul would see him, said, I went into the third heavens and I saw things that were unspeakable that I can't even talk about. But John would see it in the vision, and he said, I saw the sanctuary open, and I got to look inside. And smoke covered it. No man could enter it until God poured out the vials. <clears throat> Let's talk about the New Testament. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So now where is Jesus? Where is he right now? He's appearing in the presence of God for us. And you cannot go in the presence of God without him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. I am the only approach to God. And as long as we are in the sinful flesh, we need an approach to God. Amen. Amen. Now, this is an apostolic doctrine that I believe that we have been restored to. I'd like to see show you what Paul, Peter, and all the apostles believed and preached. 1 John 2 and 1, let's hear from the apostle John. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Somebody say advocate. Amen. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. So I, I tell you, now, don't practice sin. That's a believer. He doesn't practice sin. He do not willingly go out there, smoke, drink, and commit adultery and just do things wrong. He doesn't do that. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So he doesn't willfully sin. Amen? But he does make mistakes along the journey that he still needs an advocate for. We trip up along the way. Traps are set for us. Snares come. We stumble. But he's there to pick us up again. He's our helper, not our destroyer. I said he's our helper, not our destroyer. He don't kick you when you fall down. He's there as a helper to help you up, get you back on the path again. He's the one who said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I can speak in tongues right now. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. If any man sin, we have an advocate. With the Father Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is a perpetuation. And that word means He is the means of appeasing for the sins of the whole world. And I want you to see, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Right now, as the advocate, He's holding off the wrath. But the moment He leaves that throne of mercy, Judgments hit the earth. Now, don't make it happen before it's time. It's going to be bad enough when it comes. I mean, don't make it happen before the bride is raptured. You say, well, the the, the lamb's taking the seals. That was by revelation the seals were given. I mean, he's not taking the book. The book is the believer. And when he takes the book, he's taking the believers. It's only symbolic of what he's doing. Don't try to make this a moment twinkling eye event. Now, what's this? He said, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is a perpetuation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And when Brother Branham there was accusing the little, the little woman, you remember the little backslided Methodist girl? Or she was an old woman, elderly woman, because she was drinking and carrying on with some Uh, men and living the wrong kind of life and the jukebox going. He said, God, won't you wipe this off? And God said, come over here and stand behind the door. I want to show you something. And he said, I saw the world turning. And he said, I saw a ring of blood going around the world. And as long as we're alive, that blood's between us and judgment. But the moment we die, if we hadn't accepted the atonement, we go beyond the reach of that blood. And there's no mercy. But right now, for the, the mercy, for the world, there is mercy. Yeah. For the world, there is grace. Right now, the plagues aren't being poured out. We're getting close. We're seeing pre-tribulation plagues come. Right. Right. <laughs> We're seeing diseases come on the earth. Antibiotics can't do nothing about. We're seeing we're reaching the end of our knowledge. We're seeing the fire is about to fall. We see a nuclear warfare right around the corner. We see a world that's in turmoil. It's going gonna, it's gonna to burn. But we're not there yet. We're right there. Close. But he is the perpetuation for the sins of the whole world. And Brother Branham would see himself coming up before. He says, then I looked and he said, I saw things I was doing. I saw my wrongs. And he said, I saw myself crawl up before the throne and said, every time that my sins would hit him, he would reel and rock and blood would come down his face. You said, Brother Tim, that ain't really the way it is. Well, let me just tell you, that's the way the vision saw him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way God wanted you to think it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's got a better thought on it. Amen. Yeah. Hey you know, he saw his sins hit him. And when he did, it, it was like his blood was a bumper. And he'd reel and moan and intercede and pray, Father, forgive him. He didn't know what he was doing. He said, and I crawled up to him. And I said, Jesus, did my sins do that to you? And he said, yes. Oh, God, forgive me. I didn't know I was doing all that to you. Forgive me. And he said he took and put his finger in his side, dipped it in blood and wrote on his deeds of his past sins and wrote pardoned and threw it behind him. Pardon. I think it's important that we understand that after Brother Branham preached the seals, one of his ser- first sermons is pardoned. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said to him, I pardoned you, but you want to condemn her. I wonder if we couldn't be a little more like our advocate and be a little more merciful to other people. And not so quick to want to send everybody to hell. I wonder if we, a church, a people, could have a burden for the loss and a care for the, for the dying and the soul that is sinning instead of wanting to send them away have mercy. The word advocate means a comforter, an advocate. It means summon, call to one side, call to one's aid. It means someone who will plead the cause for another. It means a legal assistant, an advocate, a pleader. One who pleads the cause with, with one, an intercessor, so Christ in exaltation at God's right hand, pleading with God the Father for the pardon of our sins. So you see, it's a, it, is, it is that. Now, he says again, this word, this word advocate is translated again in John 14, 16 where Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I can't abide with you, but I've got to leave. But I'm going to give you the spirit, the truth, the Holy Ghost as a comforter. And this is not a second person. This is the very spirit of Jesus and his work as an advocate flowing from the throne to you. And that's what his spirit does. It's not a third person of God. It is the person of God coming down from the throne of grace to your life, producing in you an advocate, a helper, So you see, he doesn't leave the throne in a corporal body to come to your knee. The Holy Spirit is here to pick you up. So this is why he said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, same word, advocate, that he may abide with you forever. I can't abide with you in this form. I've got to go and be the advocate. I'm going into the heavens. If I don't go away, I can't come again. But if I go away, I'll come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Right. Are you following me now? Amen. So again, he said, I will send you a comforter, an advocate, even the spirit of the truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall, are with you and shall be with you, in you. So now, he said he's, He's with you now because he's in Jesus. But he's going to come again and extending from the throne of grace will be the Spirit of God right down as a deposit in every believer to help you to do right. To convince you of sin. To tell you when you did wrong. So you can correct it and come for mercy. I'm not going to leave you in their sins. I'm not going to let you continue in your sin. I'm going to send you somebody to help you. Because you can't do it alone. And nobody can live the Christian life without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is why it is so important. Nobody. No preacher. No prophet can live this gospel without the Holy Ghost. The only way you'll ever be able to live an overcoming life is by the deposit of the Holy Spirit whereby it flows from the throne of grace right into your being. That in other words, you are an extension of that mercy seat. Mercy coming down every morning. Mercy renewed every morning. Every day of your life, mercy coming down. Glory coming down, heaven coming down. Heaven's not just here, but heaven coming down. extended into your life. Right. John 14, 26, for the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, same word, advocate. Which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I said unto you. This is the evidence of the indwelling spirit. He will be the inside teacher. He'll be the guide. Amen. What is it? Verse twenty. 6 in chapter 15, it says, But when the comforters come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of the truth which proceedeth forth from the Father, he will testify of me. So proceeding forth from the throne is the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Ghost, right down to every individual to be your helper. Amen. 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 To be your comforter. To intercede on your behalf, isn't that beautiful? Amen. Listen, Brother Branham, he cares. You cares. This is after the seals are preached, and and he, he says when, when he was here on earth, as I say, he cared for the people so much. He healed their sick. Oh, he cares. He comforted their heart. He told them about a place he would go and receive the and pr- go and prepare for them, and he would come again, receive them unto himself. He cared for them, and notice he cared so much until when. He knows he must leave in order to bring this great thing to us. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I'll send the Holy Spirit and he will continue my care for you until he returns. And there's no one cares like Jesus. If I get anything into your heart this morning, there is no one cares for you like Jesus. Oh, you'll spend, you'll spend you know, your dollars until your pockets are empty You know, to go and listen to some idol sing and, and parade in front of you and everything else and some music or some actor or some of this or that. But they don't care about you. All your teenage idols, they don't care about you. All your rap stars, they don't care about you. Amen. All of the country westerns, they don't care about you, but there is somebody that cares about you. Amen. And there's no one that cares like Jesus cares. Amen. Knowing that his body as high priest and a mediatorial work that he's doing now, that body must be in the presence of God at all times for intercession that God cannot see the sinner's sin. He sees only the blood of his own son, knowing that he sent back the Holy Spirit to continue to comfort his people. Does he care? Certainly he cares. He continues to care for his people all here on the earth in the same manner he cared for them then when he was here. Because he said in John 15, 26, those scriptures I just read, he, he said he was going to send the Holy Ghost. And when this Holy Spirit has come, whom the Father would send in his name, he would testify. In other words, he would do the same things he did. The Holy Spirit working through a tabernacle that he had sanctified. Men and women that he had cleansed by his blood would do the same thing that he did. Now, what that ought to do to us do we know that right among us today we have the same comforting Lord Jesus in the form of the Holy Ghost, another office that God himself is working in? Hallelujah. Who was it, who was it that healed Sister Lana the other day? Amen, I it was the Holy Ghost. It was that same Jesus bringing comfort to us. Being an adversary to our adversary. Hallelujah! Who did not forget his promise, but was kinsman, avenger, and said, take your hands off of God's property. Amen. Who was it that restored Moriah's glory the other day? It was that God who cares cares for a little 11, 12, 13-year-old girl, cares so much, he'd come right down to her and heal her body. Who was it that cared for you the other day when you were lost and undone? Hallelujah. Who was it, Denise, that came down there in Germany and told me, you're about to cross the line? Amen. And I saw the line in the in the in the very ceiling itself. And God came down and visited you and filled you with the Holy Ghost. Who was it? It was Jesus. Who cares? man, who was it that heard a little prayer of a little girl and called her brother out of the bed down to the altar to repent of his sins? It's a God who cares. Who was it that called you and you and you and you and you and you? It was a God who cares. This is his present office. In his present office, Amen. Brother Branham would say in the church age book, the present office, the lamb, the high priest, holding his blood as an atonement on the mercy seat for our sins, for our sins is the Lord God Almighty. Not a third person or second person, the Lord God Almighty. Amen. He's holding his blood, the lamb. That's what he's doing now, pleading. Pleading. Right now now pleading his blood for our sins one day that lamb will become the lion of the tribe of Judah don't get in a hurry he's not lying yet potentially he is because he's Melchizedek priest and king But he's not lying yet he's not king yet he's still the priest he will come forth one day in power and glory and take his authority to reign as king he's coming the king of this earth of course That does not say he is not a king now, for he's our king. How many agrees with that? He's my king. He's my Lord. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. What a loving Lord who won't forget his people. And he will not leave that seat of mercy until he steps forth from the heavens To meet us in the air you want to know when mercy is over when the dead in Christ rise don't put it a moment since before then you want to know how long he's intercessor as long as the dead in Christ is not here because he has to leave there to go to them first and I'm gonna close with this brother Branham would see One of the most wonderful, incredible experiences would be to go beyond the curtain of time. And there he would go into heaven, into the realms of the blessed, to the souls under the altar. He said, this is my group. It's a wonderful place. It's a place he describes as the Holy Ghost. This is perfect love. There's not one wrong thought can enter there. There's not one sin can enter there. Everybody there, there's no sickness, no death, no sorrow, nothing. Once you enter there, every bit of that is behind you. You go into heaven the moment you draw your last breath. It's the realm of the Holy Ghost. But when he was there, you know, he cried out. And after seeing everybody, and and he said, the longer I stayed there, the more I was recognizing them because they were young. Some of them he didn't recognize and had to be told, well, that was a woman you prayed for who was past 90 when she gave her heart to Christ in your meeting and you led her to the Lord. He didn't know who she was. He didn't recognize her in that form. He couldn't remember like that. But the longer, don't you know where it's going to be? Don't you know how it's going to be? There's going to be a gathering. The dead in Christ is going to rise. Maybe take me a moment to recognize you. Some of you, I don't remember like that. 18 19 20 year old some of you are like that now but you'll even be better than what you are now there won't be a blemish there won't be a funny thought not feeling about one another You look and you'll see the loved ones that's went on and they'll appear to you the little infant you buried will be about 18 years old have to introduce them and who are you and who are you who are you he said the longer I stayed there he said they were clapping me on the back and they were saying, we're so glad you finally arrived. Said a big group of them had come down to the river to meet me. And they was clapping me on the back and welcoming me. Now he, he was, he said, I, I don't understand this. He said, this is going to be when you die. You'll be gathered to your people. So this is going to take place in time, right there at the end of his ministry, just after just one breath away, a little slanty place, a light, and we move right into that dimension We start going up, and we enter right into that place, and then when we do, it just becomes brighter and brighter, we step out onto, look like a big panoramic Big open area, look like bluegrass field, beautiful mountains and scenes and things. As we step out there, you see others begin to come greet us, come down. And after he'd been there for just a little while, I don't know how long, he says, but I want to see Jesus. And they said, you can't see him now. He's a little higher. Now, this goes to show you, yes, we know the Lamb, you know, has taken the book and revealed things by revelation, but not in reality. Because in taking the book, it's to rapture a church. Because we are the words of the book. We are, it's symbolic. Remember, Revelation is a book of symbols, and the book represents the redeemed. And so when he literally takes the book, he raptures his people. So even though by Revelation we can see things, because the seals have been taken off the book and revealed the mysteries, doesn't mean he's taken the book in the literal form, because that's the rapture. Now watch this. So after Now nearly three years after the seals is open and the mystery's been given, he enters in beyond the curtain of time and there in that place they're telling him Jesus is still higher. He's in the sanctuary. But he said one day Jesus will come to you and he'll come to us and we will be judged by what you preached and together we'll go back to earth. Amen. And when we go back to earth, he said, we'll take up bodies again and we'll eat and drink. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, and of course, when he said, Jesus will come to you first, you know, that's the scripture. The Bible said that those that are dead in Christ will God bring with him. Amen. So in order to bring him with them, he has to leave the sanctuary and get them from the sixth dimension. Are you with me? Souls under the altar and bring them to the earth. And as he brings them to the earth, we meet together and then we are gathered together back with him to be with the Lord forever. In the glorious rapture of the church. We're going to be speaking on that in our next service a couple of weeks from now. Where is Jesus now? We're just going to lay it out there to you so you can see plainly by the scriptures where we're at in this day. But let me give you a little hint. You remember in his first resurrection back 2,000 years ago? You remember Brother Bradham preaching a sermon called entombment." What happened while he was in the grave? because he was very much alive in the grave. The Bible said he preached to the spirits within in prison while he was in the grave. He was not something dead or some lifeless, some comatose he was he was very living, moving around talking, preaching amen, and then of course. You know, as as it got illustrated there after after going to the realm of the lost, he says, but i got to visit paradise because there's some people there that are held there until the Redeemer comes. And he goes up there and you remember this, you remember it, you know, as he approaches that gate here comes Abraham up and he looks at him and he said, oh, I see him coming. Well, that's that's that one I saw underneath the big tree. Come here, Sarah, look at this one. Isn't that angel you fed that day under the tree? That's the Son of Man. We've been looking for you to come. Amen. And here comes Jacob running up and said, Yeah, that's the angel I wrestled with all night. And then Daniel comes running to look and he looks over their shoulder and said, yeah, he's the one that was in the lion's den." And the Hebrew children said, yeah, he's the one, the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Amen. Hallelujah. And he says, children, I've come here but not to stay. I've come here passing through paradise because I'm going to empty it today. And one day he's going to empty that paradise. Come on down, church. He's going to empty that paradise where the saints wait. And he's going to bring them to earth. And he says, I'm emptying paradise today. We're going back to earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible said they appeared to many. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Now listen, church, when he leaves the sanctuary, he is going to the realm of the saints first. And when he dies, he is there going to come down with him and he'll raise up the dead of all the seven ages because they're going to come with him. These bones shall live again. We shall rise, hallelujah, we shall rise. And we shall all go to meet him. We shall all go to greet him. For that great marriage supper of the lamb, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. It's the night of the exodus. And a prophet has come with a message of preparation. A token has been given to keep the death angel off. A lamb has been provided for the food needed for the journey. Unleavened bread has been given so we don't have sin in our worship. But we're about to hear the trumpet. There's going to be something that will call us all out of our houses. One of these days I'm going to leave this house. There's a trumpet calling me out of this house. And we've been in the voice part long enough. It's time now for us to move into the trumpet. We'll be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And forever, can you say it forever? Forever. Be with the Lord. Let's stand Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Play it real softly and sweetly right now. If you're not prepared to meet him, right now is your hour of preparation. Today is your day of visitation. If you've been an actor... It's time to quit acting. It's time to be real. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, it's time right now to give it to Him. He's an advocate. He's a God full of mercy. I'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be glad for you to step right out of your seat down to this altar and we'll just talk it over with Him. I believe there's a throne of grace right here that extends to that throne of grace in heaven where you can find help in your time of need. The invitation is there. If you've got some kind of besetting sin in your life and things that so easily beset you, why don't you bring that under the blood right now? If you hadn't been real fellowship with Christ, why don't you come in that fellowship? It's time to quit playing church. Can't play with this. Got to be real. How many wants to be among that number when the dead in Christ rise and the saints meet them? We're there in that great reunion. Lord, let the spirit that is there in that sixth dimension be the same spirit that I'm in right now, that I'm in the spirit of heaven that extends from the throne of grace. The same way that they were then, we got to be here, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you just lay aside every weight to never sin? Those things that's been dragging you down and the way you hadn't been Christ like. Maybe some unforgiving spirit a holding a grudge or something. It's time for you to let it go. Get in love with Jesus. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. Maybe there's been areas of your life you hadn't surrendered to God. Right now's the time to surrender. The more you surrender, the more he'll take control. Maybe there's something else you've, you've held back. It's just real time. Maybe, maybe the end time trap has allured you and baited you with the cares of this world. And, with, and your treasures are here and not in heaven. Isn't it time? Isn't it time to get your priorities right? Get where you need to be with God? Won't you ask him, Lord, today? I want to see you. I want to see you in my life. I want you to appear to me. He'll appear to you. He'll appear to you in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, fill you with the power of God and the salvation. Won't you invite him to do it. Maybe you've been wanting a consecrated walk. Well, right now is the time to start. It starts with the first step. Make that step toward him. He will abundantly pardon He's a God full of mercy and grace. Right now, He's your attorney. Don't let Him be your judge. You don't ever want Him as your judge. You don't ever want to have to appear at the great white throne. Him, your judge. You want your judgment now, where you pass from death into life. Won't you invite Him to do it? Oh, I want. To see him look up.